You're listening to Never Sleeps Network. Family, friends, fans, and foes, it's time once again for Never Sleeps Network's Talking Wrestling, and I am your host, Casey Corbin, and thank you for joining us on this monumental occasion. Today, this episode marks our three-year anniversary, three years of Talking Wrestling, three years of, of I, I can't believe it, we're at the three-year mark, like, Never in my mind did I think that I would be doing this show three years. Uh, you know, I thought maybe I'll get through ten episodes and I'll get bored and I'll get qu- and I'll quit. But I'll tell you what, this show um, has done so much for me, and uh, and 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 has opened doors for me that I never knew would ever exist. Uh, it's it's made me fall in love with wrestling all over again in a new way that is absolutely fantastic um you know like never in a million years would i ever think that i would you know get to sit down with you know the million dollar man ted dibiase and talk to him for an hour and have him on the show and ask him whatever i want like that used to be something you'd see in wwe magazine have have lunch with Ted DiBiase. That was a contest, and I lived it. I got to have breakfast with him. I got to hang out with him. I've opened for him. I've never realized that my comedy career would would cross over into my wrestling career or wrestling passion, and and allow me to do both things at once. Uh, where you know I would get to meet so many great people and so many great wrestlers and so many great wrestling fans you know uh ken shamrock having it getting to talk to him on the phone and then getting to meet him and open for him in toronto it was just amazing uh you know getting to open uh, for dolph ziggler and be on the dz comedy tour at SummerSlam last week i mean last year it, that was I, I can't if i didn't have this podcast I wouldn't have been the comedian that was picked to be on that show. But people know me now kind of as one of the comedians that, you know, you want comedy and you want wrestling. This guy is fantastic at both. Or he knows both. Or maybe I'm not fan. Maybe I'm good at one. And I'm, You know what I mean. I'm not tooting my own horn. But toot, toot. I'm just saying that, you know, it's been a great three years. Uh, you know, so many um, great interviews. Uh, I never knew that I, I could hold a good interview or do a good interview. Um, you know, and, and, and it's just, you know, we got, you know, we got like 20 reviews, 30 reviews out there on the, on the iTunes and they're all very complimentary. And I know we're not a juggernaut podcast, but my goals, uh, when I, when I started this, I said in three years time, um, I would like to um, have grown the show to 
X amount of subscribers. I want this many numbers uh, a week, this many listens. And, you know, if I can do a Patreon down the road, um, maybe that's an option. I pretty much accomplished everything I set out to do. I haven't had a Patreon because I've never felt the need. Um, but, you know, now we're in times where, well, I'm unemployed. This is, like, I talk, I, my comedy career has been put on hold. Um, you know, I can't tour. I can't perform anywhere. Um, not yet anyways. And, uh, you know, so this is my thing and uh and i'm like do i want to do some sort of patreon but i just don't know what i can offer as uh as incentive to donate to the show if you're a fan um i'm thinking maybe youtube with some zoom interviews uh that might be special um that would only be offered to a patreon level uh maybe shout outs during the show uh, you know, I still have all those postcards. I just came in. Uh, I just got 81 wrestlers for $10. My brother got it at a, at a house sale or, or a yard sale. I have all these wrestling dolls, and I'm not really a wrestling doll collector. Maybe I should give those out as part of a Patreon. I don't know what to do, but, um, you know, Tweet out at me. Let me know what you guys think. Or hit me up on the talking wrestling at gmail.com. You know where we're going with this. Hit me up on all the social medias at TNW Pod, uh, Instagram, uh, Talking Wrestling Podcast on Instagram. Um, where else are we? On Facebook, Talking Wrestling. We're on Spotify. Of course, we're on iTunes. Rate, review, subscribe. Give us a five star rating, favorable review. That's how I get them. I bribe you, but I will send you a postcard of a 1980s wrestler. Um, yeah, it's just it's just a good time to be, you know, despite all everything that's wrong in the world, I'm pretty happy uh, with this podcast, and it is giving me something to do, and um, you know, and it's 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 me and Never Sleeps Network, the people that are there, and they're great. They do a lot for the show. They got me a commercial one time. I had a commercial on the show. Not really a big fan of commercials. I'd prefer to bring the show commercial free. But if somebody wants to pay me to do the show, yeah, I get that. But, you know, um, yeah. So here we are. Here we are. Where I, I don't even know what issue this is. This is. I feel like we're almost at 150. Technically, we should be near 150. We almost do 50 episodes a year. We do somewhere in the high 40s, I think. So, but, um, yeah, three years. Three years. And, uh, and and I don't know how many more we're going to go, especially if wrestling keeps on being the way it is. Like, to be honest, I'm not I'm not the biggest fan of, of the no people in wrestling. At first, I defended it, and I'm like, it is what it is. But, you know, it's just... AEW is a decent product. I like watching the AEW shows. The Raw shows I don't like, and I don't even pay attention to SmackDown. I've kind of lost interest in the WWE, you know, and I feel that's not good for the show, but it's just, it's hard times, you know? I feel bad for all these athletes that have to go compete within what's going on with the COVID-19 and 
and you know and 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 everybody that's getting infected down there and I don't necessarily think wrestling is essential but um entertainment is and uh the network is, is got a everything is on the network and if you can't find it on the network it's on YouTube but I just I'm concerned for wrestler safety at this time the traveling it all scares me um yeah but where are we gonna go i, I know I, I want i wanted to bring talking wrestling to wrestlemania this year that would have you know what and if i would have done that maybe we wouldn't be going into a third to a fourth year but it never happened and i kind of want to i, I kind of want this journey to include wrestlemania in this talking wrestling podcast you know it's included a summer it's included a survivor series it's included SummerSlam. uh you know as far as me being there um you know and i'd really like you to include the royal rumble and a wrestlemania and who knows possibly maybe even a, a wrestle kingdom at the tokyo dome we don't know but you know, three years is something, and um, thank you to um, Alex Ross and uh, all the great people at Never Sleeps Network. Thank you to um, Jan Murphy, who is my guest this week, who is responsible for getting me uh, Tommy Dreamer and uh, and uh, Jimmy Hart and and uh, Ted DiBiase and Ricky Steamboat and. Uh, the McFoley, I met him through Jan. You know, the list goes on and on of Jan's contributions to the show, and uh, and we appreciate Jan, and that's why uh, we have Jan on today as our guest of um, year three anniversary. Uh, Jan is the owner of Chinlock Wrestling, a charitable wrestling organization in Kingston, Ontario. He also uh, runs a wrestling school. Um, where they train, obviously, the wrestlers. Um, he holds cards. He holds charity, charitable uh, events. And uh, last year, he had a WrestleCon with seven to nine legends, as well as a full card later on that night. And uh, retailers and distributors. And Talking Wrestling was there as well. And, um, you know, uh, Jan's the man. So, um Today, we have Jan Murphy uh, on the show. Uh, we have him on to thank him, and we have him on to just do what we do best, talking wrestling. And uh, so thank you to all the listeners for the last three years. And here's to, uh, here's to you know, getting to WrestleMania, whenever that may be. So uh, enjoy this uh, interview today uh, with Jan Murphy from Kingston, Ontario, the owner of Chinlock Wrestling and one of the top wrestling journalists here in Canada. Uh, so uh, take it away, Casey, and uh, congratulations on three years. Folks, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the, uh, this is a three-year anniversary of Talking Wrestling, and I am here with a very special guest, someone that this show would not made it to 300 if it wasn't for this gentleman, uh, who's been a friend of the show through and through uh, from day one. Uh, he, this is his third, maybe even fourth appearance. Technically, could be even his fifth or sixth appearance. He's been appeared in other episodes, just uh, you didn't know it. He, uh, 
He's responsible for getting us such guests as Jimmy Hart, Ricky Steamboat, uh, Ted DiBiase, uh, anybody, Tommy Dreamer, Ken Shamrock, uh, Ryan Denis. Also, you know, Ryan Denis' numbers are crazy. They're like 400 uh, listens. And uh, I don't know who's all listening, but Ryan Denis' episode is fantastic. Check it out. But this man, uh, he is the owner of uh, of Chinlock Wrestling and uh, in Kingston, Ontario. He is a wrestling journalist, uh, probably Canada's top wrestling writer. Uh, we'll get into that because he had an amazing interview uh, that you could not believe. And uh, he's here online with us right now, Jan Murphy, Kingston, Ontario. How you doing, Jan? Thank you. I'm doing very well, Casey. How about yourself? And please don't tell Greg Oliver that uh, what you just said because uh, he will disagree. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Greg Oliver from from Slam. Yeah. Well, no, we don't need to tell Greg. And I don't. If he listens to the show, well, why aren't you calling? Uh, uh, right. Where? Why hasn't Greg Oliver been on? So, but uh, you, well, cheapers. They, you know, I don't know many people who you know have. I've had like four pages in the Toronto Sun, pretty much all their stuff. You know, it, it's a treat uh, opening the Toronto Sun and seeing here's a huge article on SummerSlam and there's my bro's name, Jan Murphy, right there. You know, it's awesome. Well, it's much appreciated and uh, I've been very blessed in my career and uh, have a very good relationship, working relationship with WWE and, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a real honor. The Toronto Sun has been very, very good to me uh, over my career. Uh, they love they love pro wrestling. Who doesn't, though? I know who doesn't love pro wrestling. Everybody loves pro wrestling, but recently you uh, you it seems like you okay. So all of a sudden, like Michael Jordan documentary comes out on Netflix and ESPN, and it's just the best thing ever. And I don't even know how the WWE actually knew like. Did they know that was coming out and did they know they had something in response? Because it seemed like as soon as this great documentary on Jordan was finished, the WWE drops their documentary on their Michael Jordan, The Undertaker. And yeah. it's an episode every week. It's another hour of the last ride of The Undertaker. And at the end of all this or before all of this, he starts doing press, and you are like one of the first people that is actually going to get an in, an interview with not the Undertaker, but the man behind the Undertaker, Mark Calloway. Yeah, it's a little bit surreal. That's one of those uh, one of those guys, one of those characters, one of those bucket list interviews that I had made made known many times over the years that he was at the top of my bucket list. Uh, you know, with the likes of uh, Vince McMahon and Stone Cold Steve Austin. But I, every opportunity I got to put a bug in the ear of uh, the media relations people, uh, I did. And, you know, they originally, when they sent me the documentary stuff, I asked if there, he was doing press, and the answer was very unlikely. Um, then all of a sudden, I was having my early morning coffee one day, and I saw that he had done an interview with I might have been like it was pretty pretty significant. It might have been Sports Illustrated or one of the one of the big ones. And then a couple of days later, I noticed the second one drop, and I recognized the byline 
as uh, someone I've, uh, you know, been around at the various events. So I knew the media relations rep they were working with. So I shot a text off that morning to my good friend Dan at WWE, and I said, hey, if uh, The Undertaker's doing press, I'm sure the Toronto Sun would be extremely interested and give it uh, some, some nice play. Yeah. And before the day was over, I had an email confirming it. So uh, crazy, crazy. That is awesome. That is awesome. It's so, like, it's just, first of all, and and do you know at this point that you're going to be talking, like, obviously they're not, like, you know you're going to interview The Undertaker out of character. You know you're going to interview Mark and not The Undertaker, right? At, at that point, you yeah. know that? Well, that's, that's like. Yeah, I mean, that's typically any interviews I've done over my career with rare exceptions where I've done something that I thought was a little bit different. Uh, I tend to interview characters or, um, you know, the wrestlers out of character, or we kind of toe the line where, you know, I can ask the right questions and get them out of character if, uh, if need be. But this one I knew, you know, when they said yes, that everything would be, would be admissible and I'd be getting a, a pretty candid interview. What I didn't know until, you know, I expected it to be about a 10 minute phone interview. Um, that's usually the max you would get with someone of, of that uh, caliber. But when, uh, when I got on the phone and they were about to turn the line over uh, to me, they said, you've got about uh, 20 minutes. And I was like, oh. Whoa, that's going to be good. So That's great. 20, 20, 20, 25 minutes. So I took all 25, 25 minutes of talking to somebody who, uh, you know, the greatest character of all time, uh, set the goal, you know, the, set the bar, uh, longevity, success, aura, mystery, everything, you know, everything. Like he, he checks, he, he checks so many boxes. Pro wrestling. Yes. It's like 100%. Like, he and not only epitomizes sports. I mean, pro wrestling, which he will very much say he is a pro wrestler, but at the same time, the Undertaker character is all is one hundred percent sports entertainment, because oh, like yeah. that character struck fear in his so many kids. So many kids would have nightmares and of just the the music, the fog, the the. It seemed like if you were in the arena and you heard that music. It felt like the arena was colder. I don't know how that's possible, but if uh, but it's from being in the arena at tapings and seeing funeral parlor tapings, it felt like the arena is colder during those segments. I don't know how it would even be possible, but that's the the aura or just the magic of the character, you know. Yeah, and I don't remember if this stayed in the the feature that I that I wrote because it was kind of like a like a a laugh within a quote where we were talking about what Paul Bearer meant to to the Undertaker and what Kane you know meant and what that what that arc meant to his career at the time. But we we were laughing because we were like, could you imagine if you're a complete you know wrestling neophyte and you know nothing about it and someone is explaining to you over at the water cooler at work like yeah so he had this guy's like his half brother and his and his dad and uh you know he's a mortician and the other one's the you know the half dead brother uh you know supposedly died in a fire and he's 
And yet, that worked. Yeah. That was one of the most successful and most memorable storylines in wrestling history. I mean, we, we were laughing about it. It was like, it's crazy. Like, it's the most morbid thing he... ever. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's yeah. like, you know, I have that story about meeting The Undertaker. And uh, I just told it on a podcast, like, just before I called you. Um, I just told the story. And I had a revelation, actually, when I told the story. Because, in this, like, as I remember it in the story, like, when I tell him that I know the Val, and, uh, you know, and he says, uh, he goes, will you do me a favor? Will you do me a favor? You tell Mark, will you tell Val that Mark Calloway says hello? And he says hello to, like, to me. And then he pauses and he goes, I'm Mark. And he was, <laughs> in, I never realized until I told this, until I just telling a story like 20 minutes ago, where I was like, he was introducing himself to me as Mark. And I should have said, I'm Casey. But because I was nervous and a fan, I said, I know. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's, so I never realized it until I said it. I said, he said, I'm Mark. I said, I'm no. And I thought about it. I'm like, fuck, I should have said I'm Casey because he was, we have a friend in common and he was introducing me to him. Like, to, to he was introducing himself and I was too starstruck to realize, you know, that, yeah. but I'm glad to say that we both got a chance to talk to Mark. Uh, you know, that's something that only few of your friends can say. So, I know yeah. a lot of your friends can say they talk to a lot of your wrestlers, but, you know, I'm, I'm, me and you have one thing in the same that we both talked to Mark. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, sure. <laughs> the uh, so yeah, and, and, and also uh, this is uh, quite funny. Um, uh, Jimmy Hart, I hadn't heard from him since we spoke to him, but he finally he retweeted something or he liked something because uh, we just replayed his episode of uh, of last year. The second anniversary uh, was last week's episode because this year's our three year anniversary. So. Um, so, yeah, so last year we had Jimmy Hart, so we replayed it, and then he liked it. And I was like, there you are, Jimmy. Like, there have been a couple times where I sent him a text. I'm like, I hope you're all right. I hope you're healthy, especially in the this COVID thing. I worry about people. So, you know, I just uh, hope you're all right. Hope you're whatever. But, you know, um, yeah, it just really sucks. I was really looking forward to Tampa Bay. I'll just say that right now. And I know you were <laughs> when you pulled out, I was still thought I was still going. And I was sad that you pulled out. And I still thought it was possible. And then uh, when they made the announcement, I think I found out that I wasn't going probably like a couple hours before the announcement came out that uh, they that it was being changed venue and all this and all that. Yeah, it was uh, like, honestly, like I hemmed and hawed for a couple of weeks and I thought, you know, this is crazy. Like this, this thing is spreading. And honestly, like... I pulled out, and by that following Friday, like, the show was pretty much in doubt, and, like, a week later, it was canceled, like, yeah. as far as live audience went. So I didn't feel so bad. I hate to say that because I still felt terrible that I couldn't go, but it, it was, you know, I guess I took a little bit of solace in that the show didn't happen. I really didn't miss WrestleMania because... You know, no. I wasn't feeling confident about traveling with 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 COVID, but uh, it's unfortunate. I, I, at this point, I, I, it's even a, you know, it's even Iffy. still up in the air whether there'll be a WrestleMania this Next coming year. April. I know. They may have to move it to later in the year to, or, to guarantee well, that it's going to happen. 
the good thing is they might have to just sell less tickets as well. Like it's good they have it in an outdoor stadium, but um, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm I'm just praying that you know there's a vaccine in the next spring, and uh, and we get to go to WrestleMania. Uh, yeah, because it's it's in L.A. It's uh, I, you know, I was excited to go to Tampa because of the opportunity of meeting the Hulkster on the side trip, but yeah, uh, but again, there was no guarantee about that because even though Jimmy was the key, like how busy Hogan is Hogan going to be during WrestleMania week? Oh, like yeah. that place is going to be fucking packed, you know. So the meet and greet would have been very, very short, I would imagine, but you know. I would still probably spend an hour in the beach shop just looking at belts, <laughs> weight yeah. belts that are signed and stuff like that. Like, you know, anything wrestling, I can just. I saw a Hulk Hogan foam finger today that I had when I was a kid that I got in '86, and uh, I don't know where it went, and but I know I want it, and uh, <laughs> now I'm uh, I'm like, oh my god, that's uh, I'm gonna come back and get this next time. So. And it might not even cost me anything because I might just do a card trade and get uh, to swap a card and maybe get some f- stuff in return. So, you know, uh, this place called Flip Toronto, it, they do more uh, wrestling merch selling than they do card trading. And they're a card shop, yeah. but they have like everything. Like, I go nuts for bubble case VHS cassettes of wrestling, and they have all of them like all the ones that i need so i'm, I'm oh I, I said do you have hulkamania and they're like which one one or two i'm like uh the first one with the dr d david schultz match and they're like oh no we don't have it i was like you know because they have it on the network but they don't have the dr yeah. d match and the dr d david schultz match is the best match in the whole thing because him and hogan are both bloody and they're all over the place and it's it's something you never seen on WWE Network after, like that was the last Hulk Hogan match where you saw him bleed like that. That's for sure. So, you know, but um, but oh well, it's a cool store and uh, the foam finger. Yeah, I just think that's what adults do. They try to. I, for me, it's like I try to go find out what my dad give away, and then I just try to replace it. So. I don't know. Well, you know me. I got all, I love my collectibles. You have everything as is. I just got a box of wrestlers. My brother bought it for $10, 81 wrestlers in it, and dolls, and uh, and um, a couple good ones, like Demolition. Uh, they're all out of the cases, so I was, like, going to buy a ring, but then the ring that they have at that place is, like, $200. I'm like, I don't know if I want to spend yeah. $200 on a ring. I could probably... the, uh, the LJ the LJN stuff right now the market is ridiculous there I like there are probably a, a dozen Facebook groups that I'm in collector groups that I'm in at this point and like they've driven the market j- just through the roof I mean I need two to complete my collection to, to have everything mm-hmm. and I could have gotten the black strap Andre the giant a year ago or 18 months ago for Somewhere in the you know hundred to hundred and fifty range, um, it's now over five hundred. If you're lucky, it's, it's more likely seven or eight hundred. And then there's of course the Sergeant Slaughter, which was a mail-in rebate. Yeah. Um, figure it's a thousand to fifteen hundred, and you know I missed out on one about six months ago for 
375, 400. That's just how quickly the market has gone up on those. I so saw. If you're sitting on some of those rubber wrestlers uh, somewhere in your mom's uh, attic, you should probably dig them out because there's no better time to sell them than right now. Unless it's Corporal Kirshner, we have enough of them already. Everybody's got uh, it. Except the bearded one. The bearded one has value. Oh, really? The rare one. Yeah, I have the bearded. I have all three. There's three Kirchners. There's a stubble, a beard, and a clean shaven. There's three the beard one. Kirchners. Yeah, there's three Kirchners. The bearded one, he looks exactly like John Morrison. And that one is the one that's worth, you know, 150 or 200 bucks. Oh, um, my God. I saw today a uh, Harley race in package, and it was worth 800 Canadian. There's a guy in one of the groups that I'm in who has everyone in package on card, as they call it. Everyone, every single one, except Slaughter, who never came with a package. He came in a bubble, bubble wrap in the mail. But uh, he's got everyone on card, and they're they're mint. He posts pictures every once in a while. The other thing people do with them now is these guys are so talented they uh, they they make variants. So they like they've figured out how to like heat them up in the oven reshape them or they can buy this podge or whatever at uh, craft stores that they can use to manipulate them and create uh, molds for them and then they cook them in the oven and then they repaint them into other ring attires and stuff that uh, and other characters that wrestlers these guys played during their careers it's fantastic like you can there was never a Shawn Michaels one but guys paint them that's Owen Hart. Really yeah, cool. there's a real, real big market for those, uh, for those customs as they call them. They're, they're custom, custom made. They're, they're really, really nice. Well, a, the guy d- I bought, go ahead. Sorry. The guy I bought my, the guy I bought my arcade game off of has a couple of customs, like a Ted DiBiase with the white and gold suit. Ooh. Yeah, pretty nice stuff. Yeah, it's it's the market is is like. Huge for it. Uh, my buddy Chris Gordon, who's been on the show, he's a comedian. He has a ton of them, and uh, he didn't never wanted to come on the show. And I was like, dude, you collect wrestling dolls. How can you not want to be on the show? You pretend like you know nothing. Can you name all these dolls? Yeah. Well, then you know wrestlers. <laughs> you know, it's uh, it was is insane. But um, yeah. So the I accessories it, are worth even more. What's that? Like the the accessories. Remember, they used to some of them had accessories, like yes. the big boss man's nightclub. That the nightclub alone fetches six, seven, eight hundred dollars. Oh, because they're was the, so they're so rare, right? Yeah, the guy, the guy at the club, at the place that I went to, the card shop that I went today, he had a bag full of belts. Yep, and he the was like, getting pricey too. he's like, he's like, I got some belts, and I was like, I didn't know that the market was going up on this because i think it's going up on cards as well uh i got my gretzky graded today and it's a six at best a six out of ten at best but the good news is uh when i was in high school that was a passing grade but um i looked at a a six out of ten uh just recently sold for like five thousand dollars so my card my gretzky card might be worth around anywhere from a grand to five grand that's the way i'm looking at it but it's kind of cool that you know because that's the best card i have and uh you know i'm curious i'm like and then i said to my roommate today i'm like i could trade that gretzky for so much wrestling stuff (laughs) it's crazy like uh, you know i collect wwf magazines and get them signed 
I love that too. Yeah. And, you know, I've got probably 25 or 30 magazines signed now and well, all those LJNs. And then I, you know, collect Rob Schamberger's artwork and things like that. So I have, well, my, I was, so I just did another podcast via Zoom and I got complimented on having the best backdrop uh, that a guest <laughs> has had. And it tell you, uh, it's, Without Jan Murphy, my backdrop would not be there because <laughs> there's everything that I have has been so, like signed or pictures from your shows or or Chinlock or whatever they are. It's like it's like my Flair pictures there. I was with you there. My magazine from Flair signed. Got that with you. You know, the Bret Hart uh, picture that I got signed at your show. I got that. You know, and then it's just like. All the meet and greets, like I like putting up the picture uh, that's signed, and then the meet and greet picture underneath. And nice. so, because it makes a nice contrast of eight by tens and four by sixes type thing, and uh, it's just awesome. Like I, lo- it's the corner of my of my kitchen, and it's just make this makeshift drop backdrop, and it's so. And you and I, and you and I did the burner to uh, Rick Flair. Yeah, yeah, that was, was the best. Like what a way to spend an afternoon. Let's go. Let's go meet Ric Flair. Let's see him interact with Bobby Hull, which is a treat. <laughs> like, I can't believe that. Like, you know. And then Brett Hall comes out and says he wishes uh, people weren't like the way that you, he just wishes it was like the old days. I was like, yeah, you're like Ric Flair and your dad. You just want to party with no repercussions. So, <laughs> you know. Uh, but it was like that was a great day too. And then like. I wish I would have, because uh, also I've been collecting cards and getting cards signed and yeah. by wrestlers, and because I want to get like twelve of them at least. So right now I have like four or five of them, but uh, you know we'll see. There's more cards to be signed down the in the future. I hope. Um, yeah, my my daughter does the cards. I took her to wrestle or SummerSlam last year, and uh, she brought us you know binder full of cards and probably got you know half of them signed while we were backstage with natty and at various media events so she's got a lot of like current wwe stars anyway yeah. and a couple here and there I mean, we had mark henry here last year and things like that so yeah yeah it's yeah that's those are the ones that i got signed well i got Dolph signed from SummerSlam from being on the Dolph ziggler show and yeah. i got uh I should have brought Zack Ryder, but I didn't know he was going to be there. Uh, the people that I told or that I was told were going to be there, I showed up with their cards, and there was a whole different group of people that were like Finn Balor was there. I was like, shit! Like, I did, I I just wanted to tell him my my Finn Balor joke, um, <laughs> which is like because he went on stage and he told a joke about a pet food place or something like that, and the punchline was pedigree. And it was about Triple H or something. It was a really bad wrestling pun. So I thought, oh, well, then he'll appreciate my wrestling pun because I wrote a joke. I said, how do you know the Bullet Club uh, likes to play golf? And the answer is they always replace their divots. (laughs) So... That's my joke, and uh, because they did, they replaced him with uh, AJ Styles, and uh, he was Prince Divot. If for all the wrestling, all the wrestling fans know that joke, they know it. 
that speaking of one more, one last autograph thing, a little fun story. Uh, Natty, so my daughter is a, uh, has autism, and her favorite wrestler is AJ Styles. And uh, Natty orchestrated uh, a meet and greet with AJ at the end of Raw following SummerSlam last year. Literally at the end, we're standing. Alex and I are standing in the back. Yeah. Like right by Gorilla with Natty on a table. Well, like Triple H comes by, he recognizes my daughter, and he's like, "Hi, honey." And like Vince McMahon walks by, and Pat Patterson, and like you know all the <laughs> Becky Lynch, and like everyone's walking by, and we're just kind of standing there and waiting and waiting and waiting, and then Natty's Natty's like, "Well, AJ's got he's in the main event, so they're they're in Gorilla talking with Triple H and Vince, and then." She was like, we'll have to wait till after the match. So we're sitting back there forever. Match ends, and of course, he gets, like, beaten up in the ring. So he's, like, laying beside the, <laughs> the ring after after an attack. And it's like the show's over, and, like, he's making his way, selling all the way down this long ramp. <laughs> My daughter's like, maybe he's not coming. Eventually, he pops his way through the, the curtains with uh, Anderson and Gallows. And Natty goes right over, right over, like he's still sweating from his match and selling his injuries. And she's like, this is my friend. And so he came over and he's like, hi, Alex. And I told her before, cause she, she can be very shy and very, you know, freeze up uh, yeah. with anxiety when she, she meets people. I was like, you're going to get one shot to meet AJ and like, you need to talk. So like she spent most of the week not talking to any of the people we would meet. I was like, you got to do this. And to her credit, she had a small conversation with him, and then he noticed she was holding a figure that we had picked up uh, of his. So he took it from her. He's like, do you want me to sign this? And she's like, yes, please. And he, he signed it, and then he gave it to her, and he said, I want you to know. He says, I signed that with my special autograph. He says, when I sign for fans at you know normal events, I just sign AJ Styles. For special people, I do the phenomenal AJ style. So that's the way he signed it. She's got this one. And I've looked on eBay. Yeah. There's none with phenomenal AJ Styles on his autograph. So it's very rare. And to put it on a wrestling doll where there's limited space yeah. and it seems very difficult, that's very yes. aw- it's awesome. That's like she's got she's got two things that make me jealous. That and she's <laughs> got the Ronda Rousey uh rowdy Rousey T-shirt that yes. Ronda signed for her when when we met her before yes. uh, WrestleMania two years ago, and that was awesome. I, I remember watching that on your on your Facebook or on your YouTube, and not only that, it was on Ronda's YouTube. Uh, yeah. So your daughter made Ronda's YouTube as well, <laughs> and that yeah, goes exactly. viral. And oh god, like not only do I miss like wrestling the way with all like. I didn't think it would I would be like this, but at the same time, it's like I'm. It's like I miss Ronda Rousey in wrestling so much. Me too. And like me too. Like when we were had Jimmy Hart on the show, he was like, you know, the thing about Hulkster and the thing about Cena and like the thing about the, all the true greats is they could go. You could put them on anything, on any TV show, daytime, nighttime, middle time, whatever didn't matter what it was and they could fit in and they could do yep. that and because they, they were crossover stars and he's like 
and we're talking about who do you think the next crossover star is because they need one because Cena's leaving or pretty much gone. And I said, I think they already have her and she's going to leave and it's horrible. And I said, it's Ronda Rousey. She came in as a built, like, she was already a marketable name before she even got there. She's the greatest woman fighter of all time. So to make her a wrestler, and then you realize how great she is as a wrestler, you know, I was very lucky to see her and Charlotte Flair at at Summers, I mean, at Survivor Series in L.A. And, uh, you know, and I was like a kid, just so giddy to see Ronda Rousey that I'm not like, like, that's not, that's like a Hulk Hogan feeling, like, like you know, because the greatness is there, and it's just yeah. like, you know, I and she can she can be a movie star, she can be a TV star, she's all these things that Hulk Hogan and Cena are already, and you know, it's just like can't, like you know, it's just too bad she doesn't want to stay. You know, I mean, like she, she's you know, but what is in one year? Look what she did for the women. You know, she went yeah. from two main events, from main event to last on the main event, but. Like, and it's, I don't know. I hope there's one more run in her. I hope she comes back someday. Yeah, I mean, I I, I suspect. I mean, she had two years left on her deal when she left. Um, and she know, and she pulled her shoulder up. Yeah. She, just in case. She did. Just in she case. Did. Yeah, I, it's, it, I hadn't seen anybody since, you know, all the comparisons are to Kurt Angle, who, again, picked up pro wrestling like uh, – few before him and Rousey did the same thing she was highly entertaining she was highly clearly the main attraction like a Brock Lesnar right it was you know yes. people paid their money to go see Brock Lesnar they paid their money to go see Ronda Rousey you know when we heard that Ronda was coming to Toronto like I, I texted Maddie and I was like we have to come and you know like I have to see Ronda perform and you know I was lucky enough on to a see house show on yeah, I was lucky enough to see her perform on a few occasions, WrestleMania, SummerSlam, and uh, House Show. So, um, and then, you know, and talking about all this is making me really miss live, live events and um, being able to go to things like concerts and and wrestling shows. I mean, I think when COVID came along and kind of t- you know found its way to North America in March. Um, we really had no idea at the time the gravity that we'd be facing long term. Um, WrestleMania being canceled was like, okay, well, there's SummerSlam. We can look forward to SummerSlam, girls, because I was going to take both of my kids to WrestleMania this year. And, you know, yeah. then it was like, well, we can look forward to SummerSlam. And there's no chance in, in hell that SummerSlam no. happened with a live audience. No. And neither is Survivor Series. You know, maybe, like you say, if there's vaccine but you know human trials are only starting in july and last i read that they wouldn't finish human trials until end of december so that 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 means that if it is successful it needs to get the world health organization uh, approval and then be created and distributed around the world in a few months for wrestlemania next year to happen so yeah it's, it's almost uh, like they're gonna have to uh just do like the baseball and like all the other sports is like just shorten your season 
and just give yeah. us one big WrestleMania rather than four pay-per-views, you know, rather than the big four, you know. You know, like I would sacrifice a SummerSlam and a and a Survivor Series for a WrestleMania in between that time or somewhere in that time. Uh, I don't want to sacrifice the Royal Rumble because it's too good. But uh, the other cards, I'm willing to sacrifice. Uh, well, when, as for you, uh, as being as an owner of a wrestling organization in Kingston and the Napanee area, um, like how has that affected you? Uh, even the, like as indoors and outdoors, because you did outdoor shows as well. So, yeah. like, how does how does how does this affect you uh, uh, as wrestling wise and your school as well? Well. Coming out of, um, wait, wait, of before you start, might I actually say, is COVID real or is this just a thing that <laughs> CJ Felony has created so he can sell his masks? <laughs> because he's been wearing them far much longer than everyone else, and what did he know? Yeah, he, he made masks cool, you know, long before uh, COVID. Yeah. Started wearing them. <laughs> but anyways, COVID. back to you. Back to um, you. <laughs> You know, it's it's funny. Um, I've had a lot of time to think over the last uh, four months. So coming off of Chinlock 5 last year, which took a better part of, like, over a year to put together, it was, you know, my obsession for a year last year. Um, it was my everything. It was, like, every minute, the spare minute of every day that I had was devoted to organizing, planning, um booking, paying for everything. And uh, when I came out of that, I I got, first I got really, really sick. Yeah. I was run down. I hadn't been sleeping, the stress. Um, and I, I was sick for weeks. And then I just, just, I, I felt like I had, I had done it. I felt like, you know what? I did it. I did it. We did, we did five, made, you know, five charity events, the fifth one. We, you know, had almost 3,000 people come out over the course of the day. We booked nine legendary wrestlers. We did a convention and we did a wrestling show. Um, you know, it was, it was a success. We raised money. We uh, helped out charities. And I didn't know if I had it in me to do it again. Um, it was a struggle to do the brewery show that followed. Well, I guess the school show followed where I had a match. And that was in August. Um, and then the brewery show with Santino followed that. And we were struggling, Justin and I both, with, like, drive after Chinlock. It just it took so much out of me. Coming into December, um, you know, talking with the charity and things like that, we weren't sure what way we were going to go with six. Were we going to, um, you know, scale it back for another four years? and do something big on 10 were we going to try to do a big event again what was going to happen and uh, i remember i was uh, talking with my girlfriend just about music in general and some of the bands from the 90s and things like that and the next day i, I got thinking about that conversation and i was driving and i was thinking geez you know if i did this i wonder, wonder if we could do like now, how, how do we top Chinlock 5? That's always the question. Is if you're going to do something big, 
you want it to be bigger. And each year, that's what we did. I was like, so then Our Lady Peace came on the radio, and I was like, that's it. That's it. I'm going to do a wrestling show followed by an Our Lady Peace concert. That's what I want to do. So I had, remember Carrie telling me she had my girlfriend telling me she, because she's in radio, that she knew some reps for some of the Canadian artists. Mm-hmm. So I asked her, I was like, do you have any contact for uh, for OLT? And she's like, well, as a matter of fact, I, I do. So she connected me with uh, one of the reps uh, for the band who I had a nice chat with. And we, at least on the surface, agreed to um, explore the idea of doing the show followed by the concert with proceeds to charity. Uh, you know, he gave me some idea of what the band would cost and the low end would probably work because it was for charity. And I talked to Tommy dreamer and, you know, he said, uh, you know, count all the uh, impact stars in and me and I'll help you get some legends. So, so the plan was coming together over December and January to do, and we even dropped a poster. Uh, we were going to do the uh, rock and wrestling uh, this year. And then COVID came along and damn now COVID. I've had, I've I've had four months to sit and not be able to be at live shows, not be able to organize events, not be able to have our smaller shows, and I miss it. And I cannot wait, cannot wait to get planning because we're still going to go ahead with that show. Probably won't happen until next summer or you know fall. Really depends on how things fall into place. School's been on hiatus. Um, live outdoor shows haven't happened, but uh, our fingers are still crossed that the uh, show that we announced for Spearhead will go ahead in October. That's on the the uh, Thanksgiving weekend. Mm-hmm. I only say that because I read today that uh, I think it was BC or Manitoba, they've uh, allowed for groups of up to 200 now, which is what we would need to, to do the smaller Chinlock shows. Yeah. And we're about, we're about a month behind BC and Ontario. So if in a month's time in the end of July or even mid August, they bump our numbers up to, you know, 150 to 200, then we'll be able to go ahead with the spearhead show. And, uh, that would be the plan would be to do the spearhead Halloween show and try and squeeze in a smaller Christmas themed holiday charity show in December somewhere perhaps spearhead, perhaps a gym somewhere, and then really pray that, uh, as you say, there's a there's some kind of a uh, vaccination or vaccine, or some kind of a vaccine for COVID, or you know, we build up immunity to it to the point where we don't have to worry about that. Uh, and then the competition next year for venues when things go live again will be insane. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see to see the way the industry, uh, the live entertainment industry breaks, or the way the way it uh, it comes back because we don't even know everything about the the virus itself. You know, it's uh, it's it's a mystery. Like uh, we'll look at Kayla Braxton said she had it in March, and now it's back again. So yeah. and that's not a good sign if you can if this like did she get it a second time or was it dormant in her body and did it just resurface? We don't know these things, but yeah, we need a, we need a vaccine all the way. And then, you know, that, that'll, 
that'll hopefully be the plan for for Chinlock Six is uh, another bigger event with uh, with a you know kind of an afternoon wrestling show followed by about an hour an hour and fifteen minute uh, Our Lady Peace concert. Uh, well, as to any, follow as anybody who's taken in uh, your wrestling shows are fantastic, as I've seen many of them, and uh, and I've seen Our Lady Peace like at least five or six times and uh yeah actually i actually uh work backstage and catered one of their shows i am responsible for getting uh uh basically i'm responsible for getting uh taggart uh drunk at 17 years old because i put the case on a beer on ice and i knew that he was not even of age at the time so uh i know he's not playing drums with them anymore but um but still uh that's one of my claims of fame is i got jeremy taggart his beer so as well as rain Maida and uh the other two guys <laughs> right in the band at the time but uh well, I, I again i've said to anyone who will listen i mean everybody talks about the tragically hip um and you know the hip are fantastic don't get me wrong but in the 90s there was no bigger act than Our Lady Peace in Canada. They and, hey, and they crossed over into the states as well, and they yeah. were huge. Yeah, uh, I mean, bare naked, bare naked ladies would be in the conversation, and you know, later on, the hip, of course, uh, became part of that conversation. And but uh, in the nineties, uh, you know, Our Lady Peace has just hit after hit after hit after hit. Oh yeah, and like, oh my God, like. I, I, okay, so one time I saw them on Canada Day in a parking lot, but it was called, um, it was a, a Molson Canadian uh, win, win to get in type thing called Simulcast. So yeah. they had different concerts in different cities, and you would get to see the hour concert of each band, and then your band would play live, and then the band after. So, like, our band was on second last. Last was the Goo Goo Dolls, but... Uh, after Our Lady Peace played, everybody left, but the Goo Goo Dolls were still on the big screen, and everybody left to go to the bars because they stopped serving during the Goo Goo Dolls. I'm like, fuck, I still stayed for the Goo Goo Dolls and danced my way through fucking empty beer cans on the floor, on the floor, the, the floor of the Byward Market. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, those are good days. I, I've seen Our Lady Peace at uh, the Knox at Ottawa U. I've seen them, like... Open up for Atlantis. I saw them with uh, on a double bill with um, Everclear. No, Everclear. Ever. Which one sings Santa Monica? Doesn't matter. Anyways, yeah. Everclear. Yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, and uh, and actually that was the concert where I realized they, that Our Lady Peace crossed over into another market because little girls were showing up at the concerts with like rain written on their foreheads, <laughs> and I realized. Oh my God! Cool FM has made them a kid band, and they've crossed over into pop. Like, really, yeah. you know, and uh, good for them. Like, they're a hugely successful Canadian band, and uh, very, very easily listening. So yeah, and the plan the plan was to have like one ticket for both events, right? So you could, you know, buy just buy one ticket and come to concert or wrestling show or both. So well, okay, well. It'll happen. Hopefully, get that back on the rails at some point. Uh, I miss doing all the wrestling things. You know, I was talking to Tommy Dreamer recently, and just like, wow, it's been a year since I've seen him. That's the longest stretch I've gone uh, with Etsy and Tommy, and since we became friends in 2011. So yeah, it's it's, uh, it's strange. 
It is, but it is what it is, and uh, and that's it. This is three years. Three years. I didn't even think I'd make three years on this show. I uh, yeah, yeah. Congratulations, dude. I, that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, we're. I think we're almost a hundred and I think we're one hundred and forty-five episodes. But I, you know, and uh, still trying to find new guests and new people, and uh, and you know what? We keep our favorites uh, coming back as always. And uh, I just want to thank you for being a friend of the show and for, you know, all the stuff you did for charity and, you know, just being a great guy, Jan, and uh, and coming on the show for our third year anniversary. Thanks for being with us. Well, thank you. Uh, you're a great friend and, uh, you know, I love your show and it's it's a real pleasure. And uh, maybe I could, uh, you know, help you line up a, another guest for, uh, you know, for your show uh for an upcoming episode, you know, maybe a Vicky Guerrero or somebody or would love that. For sure. I don't know. Let me know. And we'll, uh, we'll make something happen. Awesome. Thanks for, uh, right. do we need to plug anything right now? Gino's, Be- uh, Gino's you know what? Pizza? Maybe you can plug the free match Fridays happening on Chinlock, Chinlock wrestling right now on our YouTube channel. We've, we're revisiting, uh, matches from, over the years uh, at the Chinlock events with uh, special guest commentators. So Sideshow did the first couple. Um, Andy Mack uh, from, uh, I think he, he was with TSM, but I think he's now with, I think he's with Rogers now. Okay. He's going to be really mad if I've got that wrong. Um, <laughs> and we've got uh, Spenny coming up as a, as a special. Uh, we've got uh, Bill Walich is going to do one for us. We've got uh, Brody Barron uh, from uh, out in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. So, yeah, we're, uh, we're popping those out every Friday. On, on You can check out our Facebook page and on our YouTube channel. Just a little bit of commentary to set up the match, and then we're showing the match thanks to uh, your TV Kingston for giving us the footage. That's, that's awesome. That's my plug. That's awesome. my plug. Folks, All right, thanks, dude. Check it out. Chinlock Wrestling, Facebook. Check it out on YouTube. Thank you for coming on the show, Jan. And uh, thank you for listening. Three years. Uh, I'm not going to say there's three more coming, but I will say uh, we'll see you next week, and you'll hear us next week. And thanks for putting that. Let us put a headlock on yours. From Talking Wrestling, Never Sleeps Network, Casey Corbin, Jan Murphy. We're out of here. Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com.